afternoon, beautiful day, and uh, we look forward to the snow tomorrow night. Ben is. It is good to see you tonight as we come together to worship, and we're going to stand right now and greet one another in the name of the Lord. Let's do that.
military has been doing for us for years, hundreds of years now. We're so thankful for them as we celebrate Veterans Day this week. And uh, we want to sing Serve the Lord with Gladness. Pastor Scott knows this song. Okay. Jesus. 
pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Continue to lead us, lead us on to higher ground, Lord, and thank you for your promises, for the hope that we have in eternity, for the salvation that we have through Jesus, Lord, we just give you thanks and praise. God, I pray for Brother Scott as he comes tonight to bring your word. Pray, Lord, that we would uh, be challenged, that we would take it in, Lord, and that we would... uh, Go and live for you every day in all that we do. We thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, church. Footsteps of Jesus. 
That's a good song. This is a special time of the year always in my life. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. I, I really enjoy the fall of the year. I enjoy the Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, and, and uh, it's hunting season. There's several seasons right here all together. And when we were singing that song, uh, Footsteps of Jesus, uh, I want to follow in his footsteps. I'm reminded of a time when I was just a little boy. My dad used to take me out in the fields hunting on my grandfather and grandmother's farm. And the, pl- the plowed fields would be there, and it was such a chore for a old boy with all the clothes on to follow in dad's footsteps, but I'd try to match them one for one. I'd miss every now and then have to gain a step, a little hop here and there. But I remember trying to follow directly in my father's footprints as he would set the stage in front of me. And uh, so much is true of our life that we should try to follow in the footprints of our Father in heaven as he leads us. Uh, it's, it's a safe place when we're right behind him. It's uncertain when we're outside of those footprints and, and outside of the footsteps of Jesus. So uh, that song just brings back a lot of memories and, and uh, really sets a tune in my heart. I want to invite you to turn with me tonight into God's Word, James chapter 4. It's our text for tonight. James chapter 4 is probably one of my favorite passages in the, you know, favorite chapters in the book of James. However, I really enjoy the book of James. It's very practical. There are uh, some amazing words in the book of James that are relatable to our life. I can stand before you tonight and tell you that there are some things that I'll preach on tonight that I have, uh, by the grace of God, not had to deal with in the church settings that I've pastored. I I think I've pastored three of the finest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I've pastored all, you know, basically all three sizes of churches, from the smallest church to the mid-sized church to a large church. And uh, so I've seen seen a lot in church life. But uh, as I read this, I think of uh, wars and quarrels among people and and how uh, we can just get ourselves in such a mess. But I'm glad that uh, a lot of this I don't speak from firsthand experience in, in church life. Hope I never do. Uh, we, we take the Word of God to heart. We take it as a warning, and we position ourselves so that we better ourselves in service to the glory of God. But I am grateful for an amazing church and to be a part of such a fine group of people and uh, be called pastor. That is uh, the highest call that a man could ever have, and to be called a pastor of the local body of, of the, the body of Christ, the local church, uh, and, and Pastor First Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee, is one of the greatest honors a man could ever have, I can tell you that. So I do dearly love you all, and I'm grateful for that. But we want to talk tonight from James chapter 4. Um, we want to talk on this. Uh, there, there are several things within this text. So I just, uh, as, I, as I think through this and continuing from last week's text, or the last time we preached, it wasn't last week, last time I preached on James chapter 3, let me, let me just, uh, right there at the end, it says uh, uh, that there, there's uh, James chapter 3, verse 18, said, But someone may well say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm sorry, that was chapter 2. I knew that. It wasn't what I wanted to read. <laughs> It's like, that was a good passage, but that wasn't what I was thinking at all. You ever turn to the Bible, think you're fixing to read something, and you read something else? I just did it. Chapter 3, verse 18 is the one I was looking for. It says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a word to us. We're to sow peace 
in our life, and peace produces righteousness. And that should be the heart of every Christian to sow peace and yield righteousness. There, there are times in our life, and all of us can relate, when we sow pride, and pride brings destruction. God's Word said pride comes before the fall. And uh, I don't like falling. Do you like to fall? None of us want to fall. We want to rise. And if we want to rise, then we need to think about sowing peace so that we reap righteousness instead of sowing pride, which comes before the fall. Pride really needs very little introduction for my life and very little introduction for many of our lives. Uh, But I will tell you this. I was taught at a very early age to be proud of who you are. You're a man. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of the things you have. Take pride in what you have, son. And those, those kinds of statements, are, are they, they've got some validity to them. But if not very cautious in our life, if we take those in a worldly perspective, we wind up allowing pride to root itself in our lives and begin to destroy us little by little. God's not calling us to take pride in who we are in that regard, but to take pride in who He is and who we are in Him. And it's a whole different perspective when we take pride in that way. Success can be found, but the text tonight will reveal to us that the success which James is talking about comes from worldliness. So if you will, and you've turned to James chapter 4, I'd ask you and invite you to stand with me. Let's read God's Word together. We'll read James chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 for our text tonight. Verse 1 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures, on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which He has made to dwell in us, but He gives grace. God gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Father, I pray that we all find ourselves in a position of humility and gathering grace from You. God, let this Word speak into our hearts tonight, maybe as caution or correction, to bring us to the place that we need to be. Uh, surrendered and submitted to your will for our life and you as Lord of our life. Move, Father, we pray and ask, and I ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. So where do battles come from? Where, where do the battles come from in life? Scripture tells us here, James says, the source of the quarrels and the conflicts among you, the, the source of that is pleasures. The pleasures that wage war in your members. Uh, Instead of peace, as I just mentioned, that produces righteousness, James is speaking to his readers, and that'd be us and those of his day, uh, where there's an atmosphere of constant battle. We don't have to look far to find a good fight in this world, do we? Have you turned on the TV lately in the morning time, even in the evening? Uh, it, it's downright disgusting uh, at times. You, you, 
You think you're going to catch up on a little bit of world news and all you, all you do is find a good fight. And uh, we, we don't have to look far to find something to quarrel about or fight about. But I was telling Mike earlier, I said, it's a, I think it was Mike I was talking to, but I was, I was saying it's amazing to me how divided our nation is. That was me and you talking this morning. How, how divided our nation is and, and how easy it is to divide over something. Uh, we can find so much to divide over. We ought to find a lot to come together over. And one of the things that uh, when I think about Veterans Day and, and the time of the year that we're upon right now, I think about how many people have not only given years of their life, many have given their life to support a, an opportunity for us to come together and not be divided. It's amazing how we can find little things to divide ourselves when we all come together around the things that we have that are so great. The greatest thing that we have to come together around is, is Jesus Christ and the Lord of creation. We can come together around Him and, and find common ground with Him, and our lives can be changed by Him. But the war is, is birthed in our lives from our desires and our lusts. It says that. He says, uh, it is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, he says, so you commit murder. What is lust? Well, by definition, in the ethical sense, lust is used to express sinful desire. Sinful either in being directed towards forbidden objects or in being so violent as to overcome self-control and to engross the mind with earthly, carnal, and perishable things. I want you to grasp that. Lust is in to engross the mind with earthly, carnal, and perishable things. Those things which I lust for, those things that are lust within me, that are warring within my members, those things are perishable. They're not eternal. They're, they're things that are carnal. They're things that are not going to pass the test of time. And, and many lives are destroyed by the lusts of this world. So they war in our members. And, and James is saying, they said, that they... They, they, they war, they wage war in your members. So within the depths of who we are, that's where these lusts come from. They, they, they come up. They, they basically come out of us. They, they settle in. They take deep root in us. And, and those things are, are, are birthed within us. So the battle that, that starts, starts from within. And it's deeply rooted. And lust is something that starts within the body and it takes over in our heart. And we must be transformed into the likeness of Christ, not the lust of this world. That, that's what is the, that, that is the impetus of it all. If we had to just sum it all up, we either become engaged in the lust of this world or the likeness of Christ. But we cannot be engaged in both at the same time. I cannot be engaged in the lust of this world and the likeness of Christ. It won't, it won't happen. When I think of that, and I... I referenced it this morning, um, knowing I would go there tonight. Galatians chapter 5 says this in verse 15. But I say walk in or walk by the Spirit. So Paul is positioning to the church of Galatia. He's saying, there's a way that you walk. And I say walk by the Spirit. So in other words, walk in a way that the Spirit is consuming and controlling you, guiding you. What is the Holy Spirit sent for? Jesus said, I'll send the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as a comforter and a guide. So the Spirit of God is to be a guide for my life. I, I have surrendered my life to Jesus, 
And when I surrendered my life to Jesus, he took over. He took control. He became Lord. I lost my lordship. I stepped off the throne, and I looked to him on the throne. He is Lord of my life. So when he's Lord of my life, he takes over. As the Lord, he resides within me, and I have a governing body that rides within, or resides within me. Wherever I go all day long, I have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at my disposal any time because the Spirit of God resides within me. And the Spirit of God resides within every one of us that are saved. Uh, apart from the Spirit, there is no salvation. Let's be clear about that. You, you can't be saved and, and, and have, not have the Spirit of God. If you're, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God indwelling you. Now, we can silence the voice of the Spirit of God in such a way, and we can continually silence the voice of the Spirit of God, and we can hamper the fellowship with the Spirit so that we don't even hear the Spirit of God speaking into our lives. And it is important for us to always stay connected and in tune to the Spirit of God. Don't you want to hear the Spirit of God speak in your life? I mean, in ways that will change us and transform us. Now, these, that's hard. It's easy to just say, yes, I want that. But that means that I'm going to grow out of the likeness of this world and the lust of this world into the likeness of Christ. And as I'm growing in the likeness of Christ, the Spirit of God is going to guide me towards that. And He's going to speak into my life the things of my life that need to be taken out of my life. And that's not easy. That is difficult. It is a work. So we see, uh, as he says, uh, but I say walk by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is to walk with you, to walk by the Spirit. He is going to guide you and, and will, will not carry you. He will not carry you uh, to a place that you would carry out the desires of the flesh. So my, my fleshly desires and, and, and the Spirit of God walking with me, they, that, the Spirit of God walking with me separates me from the desires of my flesh. Does that make sense? I, I'm not going to walk and, and, and walk out the desires of the flesh while I'm walking by the Spirit. By walking by the Spirit, I silence the desires of my flesh. So Paul's speaking, he continues in verse 17, he says, For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. What's Paul talking about there? There are things in my life, there are things in your life that are pleasing to us that are not good for us. There are things that we can be uh, pleased by in the fleshly sense, but are earthly and, and they're lust and they're destructive in the likeness of Christ, growing us in the likeness of Christ. And we need to separate ourselves from that. We, we're going to walk by the Spirit. We're not going to live by the flesh. We're going to live by the Spirit. And that's what we're called to. And, and Paul goes on in verse 18, says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are. So if you ever want to do a self-checkup uh, check uh, uh, and look at yourself and say, Where am I, How am I standing? How am I doing? I, I always like going to this passage to see how things are going in my life. The deeds of the flesh are evident. They're not disguised. They're not, they're not something that we won't be able to see. You'll be able to see this in your life. I'll be able to see this in my life. We can see these things. Paul lays it out before us. He says, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. Is anything in your life immoral? Are you doing anything that's immoral? I mean, you, you, that's easy for us. We know whether there's anything in our life that is an immoral act. And if you don't know these words, we can define them. Uh, Webster's is a great source. 
Uh, you can Google it now, define immoral. If you're just wondering what immorality is, let's just define it. Let's be sure we're clear on the terms because immorality is a problem. Impurity. Is there anything in my life that's impure? That, that if I were to sit next to Jesus, and I am because he walks with me, right? So he's there. But if I'm recognizing the authority that is present in my life, would I think my actions, my comments, my, my walk is pure? It, and is it pure by the standard of the gospel, by God's word? Is it pure? Is my life pure before God? And if it's not, if there's something impure, what's it going to take to get the impure out? Confess it. Lay it before Jesus. And say, Lord, I promise you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever made a promise to God? I mean, just a serious promise. You say, Lord, I'm sick of this, so I promise you that I'm not going to do that again. I promise you today, and I'm going to promise you in the morning, and I'm going to promise you the next morning, and I'm going to promise you the next morning. You're a promise keeper. I'm a promise breaker, but God, I want to be a promise keeper. So I'm going to promise you that I'm not going to live immoral and impure and you continued walking through this and it's sensuality idolatry sorcery enmities strife jealousy outburst of anger disputes dissensions factions envying drunkenness carousing, there's a lot of things that we're just talking about. I mean, we could take hours to walk through that, do, do a personal checkup. We could have a conversation as a church. Are these things present in our world today? They are, right? These things are very prevalent in our world today. And it's like, it's like Paul and, and James are speaking from the same sheet of music here. These things are very present in the world in which we live. They were then, they are now, they were in Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? They, they've been for all of time, they've been present. These activities are present. Why? Because the flesh wars against the spirit. And we are people of the flesh. I reside with the flesh. I mean, I live with this every day. You live with the flesh every single day. And the desires are there. It's what we do with those desires. Do we act upon them or do we walk away from them and turn in likeness to Jesus? To, to say that, well, I'm never tempted. I need to get to know you better. <laughs> I had a guy tell me one time, he said, Pastor, I don't know why you talk about lusting. He said, I've never lusted in my life. He was 70 years old. I said, you're a liar. I just don't believe you've made it 70 years in your entire life and never lusted for anything, for money, for power, sexual lust. I'm just telling you, 70 years without lusting for anything, I don't believe you. <laughs> I just had to be honest with him. He, 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 went, he, he just emphatically said, I've never lusted for anything. I said, can I check your pulse? I think you're dead. <laughs> but sometimes we don't recognize and we're not willing to look into our own lives and see 
that which is there and which is present and do a, an honest evaluation of who we are. But James is calling us to this. He's calling us to, to look at our lives. And, and if you, you know what, just in case I didn't name one, James says, I mean, uh, Paul says, he says, things like these. So he, he just puts the cursory clause out there. All of these that I mentioned, and things like these. There, there are other things. He says, I'm not going to give you a perfect list. Some of you out there in the congregation, as Paul's speaking to the church of Galatia, he knows his people, says some of you out there are going to say, well, he didn't name that one, so I must be good with that. <laughs> no, he says, and things like these. So you just understand these things. Of which he also said, I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's just be really clear what Paul's saying there. It's a lifestyle. But what are you living out in your life? It, it, you know, every single one of us in this room are fallen individuals, broken and it's necessary for Christ to do a work in our life. And it's necessary that Christ doesn't just do a work once in our life, but that Christ daily works in our life. And that we move the meter in our life day by day from who we used to be to who God's calling us to be. And it is a journey and it is a process. And I, I've referenced it and I'll reference it till I die. I believe my seminary theology professor nailed it. When he said this, he said, boys, I'm going to make this as simple as I can. He said, how many of you have ever stood in a stairwell and all of us have done it at some point in time in our life? And I watched a kid do it today. How many of you have stood in a stairwell before in your life and dropped a rubber ball and watched it bounce up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and end up in the bottom of the stairwell? And we all can relate. He said, your life with Christ should be similar to that, but inverted. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs in your life, but as we move forward, we end up, not down. There's some ups and downs. We have some moments in our life. But it helps when we do a self-evaluation and we look into our life. And James and Paul and the entirety of the Scriptures speak to us to say, look into your life, analyze your life, evaluate your life. Because where do the wars come from? Where do the struggles come from? Where do the, the problems within life come from? Within our desires. The, the personal desires. And, and, and I'm telling you, we don't have, a, we don't have a, the wars and, and the problems and the destruction when we're seeking God and growing in His likeness. We have it when we're growing in likeness to the world and moving away from the likeness of Christ. So he's telling us here that it's like they're, they're speaking from the same text. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask. You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You know, we talked this morning about David. I mean, about, uh, yeah, about David. I had to think there for a second. I thought I got all my names confused in my head. We talked about David, and, and David did exactly what James is talking about here. He lusted. He, he committed adultery. And he murdered. And, and it's just the progression of sin 
displayed before us in the life of an individual. And, and no, mine may not map down the same course, but it will be similar. Yours may be different than mine, but it's similar. And, and we see that what that comes from, this, this inner, we, there's this lust within, it's, it's deep in our members, and, and, and when we can't get what we want, what do we do? We, we go after it. We, we try to desire and things that we shouldn't have, and, and, and we either are pleasing one or two things and one or two people in our life. We're either pleasing ourselves or we're pleasing God. You know, if, we, if, we're, if we're pleasing ourselves, we, we, we can do something as simple as sleep late and miss church. It's just, you know, I need a day. Man, I just need a day. And we just chill out and we, we sleep late. And the next time it's a little easier to just chill out and miss worship. And, and, and we slowly but surely seek the desires and the, the self-pleasing. And, and it's not just that. That was just one example. Nobody would ever do that. I mean, you know, really, you wouldn't miss church, would you? Not, not, no, you would not do that. But in our culture today, there's a lot about me getting what I want and, and me being satisfied. It's about me. And it's instead of saying, I, I remember when Kristen and I got saved, uh, we weren't really churchgoers before we got saved. We, we went occasionally. We, we thought we'd been a lot if we went once every three months or two months, you know. But in our life, it just wasn't part of us. But when we got saved, we said, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment. And she said, I'm going to make a commitment. We drove 22 miles one way to church every Sunday. I drove it Sunday morning. I, w- I left an hour before they did so I could go pray with a group of men. And I'm not trying to get an award here or not because I don't get an award for this. But it was in my heart. I wanted to be there with the men praying before service that morning. And then my wife would drag the kids there, and, and she was such a trooper to get them ready and, and bring them on and, and give me that time of, of fellowship with the men and, and growth spiritually with those men as I grew with those men leaps and bounds by praying with those men on Sunday morning. And, and then we would worship together as a family, and then, then we would go back on Sunday night, and we'd worship together as a family, and we'd go back Wednesday night and worship together as a family. I'd go back down there Thursday night and, and spend time with eight men who poured in my life. I don't know how many hundred, I don't know how many thousands of miles I drove to Davisburg, Georgia, from, from little old Podunkville that I lived in, Cross, Crossing Green community. We drove 22 miles one way, and we wore that road out. And we loved every minute of it because we got fed. I, I don't remember missing church. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. Before I became a pastor, somebody said, well, you come all the time because you're the pastor. I went all the time before I was a pastor uh, because I had a longing in my heart to be there because I wasn't trying to please myself. Pleasing myself would be I'll go sit in a deer stand or I'll go, uh, go to the lake or I'll go lay around and not do anything. But I saw the value, and I, I'm just trying to lead you as a pastor to say, There has to be a priority in our life. Instead of pleasing ourselves, we have to want to please Jesus. You know, pleasing yourself can lead you down the road, a lot of roads. It can lead you down many destructive roads. It really can. And we could go through all those ideas tonight, but you understand how destructive pleasing yourself can be. Worldliness pushes us to please ourselves. That inner voice is saying, that's okay, it's your life. Please yourself. But pleasing God is, is, is different. It is, it is doing what God desires for you to do. It's setting aside the pleasures of the world or, or the pleasures of flesh and self and seeking to please God. 
And say, when was the last time you sat back and said, this is King Jesus we're talking about? I mean, this, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am his humbled servant. And I, I, I look to him as Lord of my life, God of my life. He's the provider of everything. I want to be in his presence. I don't want to. I don't want to look away from God. I want to look to God. I, I mean, you mean I get to be before Jesus? I want to be there. I, I want to go. I want to. I want to be in His presence. I want to. I want to position myself where I can be with Him and grow. You know, we, we won't fight for something that we don't want. Typically, we fight. Paul talks about you, you war here. You, you're at war. You're, you're battling. You're, you're fighting and quarreling because you don't have. And we, we, we don't fight for things we don't want. We fight for things that we want. He makes a strong statement here in four. You adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. In this text, we see that James is calling out who we are. He says you don't have because you don't ask. God is the greatest giver of all. I mean, there's nobody that can provide for you like God can. Every good gift, Scripture tells us, every good gift comes down from the Father above. So we've got the opportunity to position ourselves before the King and, and lay our requests before the King. And He is a good, good Father and He's a good giver. But the reason sometimes we don't get what we ask for is because we're asking with the wrong motives, he says. How many times have you gone before God, God, I really want you to do this for me. And it's for your own personal motives, your own desires. I really don't want what I want. I really don't. I want what God wants me to have. I really don't want for you what you want. I really want what God wants for you because I know the best comes from God. You know, we, we could say, I mean, just using a monetary illustration, Lord, give us a bunch of money. Well, if a bunch of money would separate us from Jesus, would we really want it? And would it really be good for him to give it to us? Or anything else, you can fill in the blank. But if, if that which we desire would end up taking us away from God, why would a good, good father give it to us? He knows what I can handle. So I can ask him, and as I ask him, I ask him with the right motives. I want to make sure my heart's pure. I want to ask God to give me that which is best for me, not that which is destructive to me. There are prayers that are not heard, though. Job chapter 27, verse 8 and 9 says this, For what is... The hope of the godless when he is cut off. When, the, when God requires his life, will God hear his cry when distress comes upon him? Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 says this. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. 
If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Does God have to hear every prayer that we pray? Not if we're asking the wrong motives. Not if we're asking with, with wickedness in our heart. And if we're not positioning ourselves rightly before God. I mean, do I have to listen to every request that my kids put before me? No. And I'm, I'm an earthly father. But God in heaven calls us to a place of holiness and righteousness. We, we, we don't have because we don't ask, and, and James says. And when we ask, we ask with wrong motives. Let's be sure our motives are right. Let's make sure that we position ourselves in righteousness before God. Therefore, we also can see here where it says the spiritual unfaithfulness of the people, which if we're asking with right motives, we have spiritual faithfulness towards God. But if the spiritual unfaithfulness is in our life, we become the adulteresses. God's people are considered as the bride of Christ in the Scriptures. Spiritual adultery is strong words to describe the condition of the people, His people. It's when we have the world in our life and, and God in our life and we choose the world over God or we flirt with the world and God at the same time. That's spiritual adultery. Can you hear me, church? I mean, all of us need to listen to this, including myself, that when we try to have some of the world and some of God, my, my mother, my grandmother used to call that syncretism. She said, son, we're full of syncretism in this world today. Hey, see, and I didn't even know what that word meant when she said it as a kid. I had to go look that one up. I had, had to Webster's Dictionary, that one. But to understand that, that we, we try to, we're trying to mesh the world and the desires of the world and the things of this world with, with godliness. And you can't pull them together. It's spiritual uh, adultery. We need to find ourselves purely before God and say, you know what? I don't want a little bit of the world and a little bit of Jesus. I want all of God. I want to be sure that's first and foremost in priority in my life. Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So that should be the first seeking in our life. My life, my heart, my desire, everything about me should be seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when I'm seeking after His righteousness, I'm seeking after His kingdom. I want His kingdom to be exalted. I want everything to be for His glory. When I'm seeking Him first, then all these things that I need will be added to me. God's not going to not take care of me. God's not going to not take care of you. God's going to take care of us. He sees us. He knows us. He loves us. He knows our needs, and He's going to take care of us. So, but when we try to mix a little bit of the world with a little bit of Jesus... We wind up with a big old mess. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which, has, which He has made to dwell in us. So He's made the Spirit to dwell in us. And God gets, God gets jealous. God, God doesn't want a, us to have a divided allegiance. God doesn't want us to uh, just be kind of devoted to Him. God wants all of us. God doesn't want some of us. He wants all of us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, tells us this. Though He scoffs at the scoffers, yet He gives grace to the afflicted. So in this text he says, or do you not think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit 
which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he may scoff at the scoffers, but he gives grace. He gives grace to those who seek him. He gives grace to those who make a decision in their life. You know what? I'm, I could have all of the world and I could live in the world and, and I would find its emptiness within me. Or I could yield my life to God and, and seek his righteousness and seek his holiness. But this is a daily decision for me. This is a daily decision for you. To turn away from the things of this world, the flesh, the pleasures, those things which wage war within every single person. It's a spiritual battleground of the flesh versus the spirit. And, and who wins? It's been said before many times, it's, it's like two dogs. You've, you've got a, the dog of the spirit and you've got a dog of the flesh. And uh, they go to battle every day. Which one of them dogs wins? It's the one you feed. You feed that dog, he'll win. You starve that dog, he'll lose. So which one are we going to feed? The spirit or the flesh? God resists pridefulness. In me and you and all of us, he, he resists pride. He, he will humble the proud, and he will exalt the humbled. That's what Scripture tells us. Now, James is revealing to us that when, when, we, when we get a whole lot of the world, we get pretty prideful. When we get a whole lot of Jesus, we get pretty humble. We recognize my need for him, my, my inability to, to do this on my own. I, I recognize I need Jesus. Can I tell you, I've never stood in the pulpit I've never stood and preached a sermon that I thought I had. Every sermon I ever thought I preached, every sermon I ever thought, every sermon I ever preached, I knew I needed Jesus. I never thought I had it on my own. I've never walked out of my office on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, and I didn't say, Jesus, you've got to help me with this one. I need you. <laughs> if I go at it alone, it's going to be a mess. But I need you. We need him. I recognize my need for him, but do I still have some pride that rides up in me at times? I do. I really do. And I'm still always trying to deal with that. I'm always fighting that back. Now, anytime we have success in an earthly sense, we can start, man, look at me. I mean, am I the only one in the room that does that? I don't think I am. But we need to recognize that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I, I want God's grace. I need God's grace. I long for God's grace. The lust of the world leads to separation from God. And we are called to serve God, not self. So we begin the daily battle. And it is a daily battle of turning from the desires of this world and look into the Lord of our life, seeking Him for righteousness. Pride comes before the fall. The humble will be exalted. So our pride needs to be kept in check. Our pleasures need to be kept in check. Our focus needs to be on God. We need to 
not wage war within ourselves because of the lust of this world. We need to grow in likeness to Christ. And it's just a constant reminder every time I read this text. My favorite text of James comes next. And we'll get to preach that next week. I love the next step. I love the next set of verses. It's amazing. But we have to understand where the war comes from, where the battleground lies. And it lies within me, and it lies within you, and it lies in this world. When we yield our life to Jesus, fully surrendered, we walk away from the desires of the flesh. Let's do that together, church. This week, let me call you out to check the pleasures, the flesh, the lusts within your life. Whatever that lust is over, to check that this week. And look to God and say, God, check me on that. Check me on my humility. Check me that I'm not a prideful person. And Lord, if I need to be humbled, I'd rather you humble me now than humble me then. I want to be humbled before you, not proud before you. So let's uh, lay our lives before Jesus. Let's look at Galatians. Let me encourage you to do that this week. Read through that list personally in your quiet time before the Lord. Say, God, are any of these components in my life? And if so, let's deal with them right now. And let me, let me understand how I can walk away from them and walk closer to you. Because I promise you, God, I want more of you and less of me. Less of these things and more of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word, to, to read your word, to struggle with your word, to, to, to wrestle with the word in our own lives. Bring me, Father, under full surrender and submission to you, Father, moment by moment, day by day. Checking the desires, making sure that I'm living godly, holy, and in righteousness before you. And Lord, the areas of my life that need to be changed, transformed, and brought under submission, reveal it to me. And God, I pray that for my brothers and sisters that are here tonight, that all of us would be surrendered completely to you. We'd see our lives brought in check, and, and we wouldn't wage war with one another. We wage war between the spirit and the flesh, and we would feed the spirit so it would win. Move in our lives in such a way this week, Lord, that we can have success in you and in our lives and bring our lives in check. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome night. I'll see you uh, Wednesday night, if not before. Stay warm. It's going to be cold this week.